And we're back here, Stripe Show Podcast, special edition to help us talk about this unusual Masters at Augusta National. A man that knows a thing or two about the golf course. He's won the green jacket three times and 150 professional golf tournaments around the world. One of the all-time greats, Mr. Gary Player. Gary, I can't thank you enough for joining us here uh, this morning on a Masters weekend. My pleasure, Travis. It's uh, been quite an experience this week. Uh, No galleries and uh, hearing the usual cheers through the trees and uh, very, very different atmosphere. But you can hand it to Augusta for still having the event. It is still the Masters and still means so much to a man's career. Uh, I just cannot imagine, though, what it's going to be like on Sunday, a man holding a 20-foot putt to win the tournament and there are a handful of claps. It's going to be very different. Yeah. I think that's what always made the tournament was the, the galleries, you know, the cheering. You could almost hear when a person, you could distinguish the difference between the galleries, you know, and their cheers. An eagle putt or a birdie putt or a groan for a bogey or mm. a double bogey. So it's very different, but still taking place. Yeah, it is. And, um, you know, a lot of credit to the PGA Tour getting out there um, after all this went down and, you know, kind of leading the way really in professional sports uh, during this pandemic. And then uh, here we are, all the other sports have, have followed suit. So the masters certainly have done a terrific job to put this tournament on. I got to ask you though, you know, one of the things that, that happens every year, the, the ceremonial shot on Thursday morning, of course, uh, yourself and Mr. Nicholas up there. And if I'm not mistaken, the first ball hit this year was, uh, was an encore golf ball. I've been telling my audience how good this ball is, and I'll just leave it to you to tell them your thoughts on the Vero X1. No, you're absolutely right. The Vero X1, uh, there's no ball that's better than that ball, I can tell you, and it's a lot cheaper. And, you know, golf can become quite expensive if you don't watch what you're purchasing today because a ball, you can lose it in one hole, as you know. But this ball, I tell you, has got such a great feel. I wouldn't use it, I can tell you that, because I want our drive Jack Nickers very badly. <laughs> I would not use that ball if I didn't have great confidence in it. It's got a great color to it. It's got a great feel to it. And what I like about it is it has a consistent feel with a drive, an iron shot, and a putter, whereas a lot of other balls are very different in the different clubs that you use. Now, I'm looking at the leaderboard uh, right now, and one of the names that I want to ask you about, Justin Thomas, who is having his best Masters, we see a lot of good players over the years, they struggle at Augusta. They can't quite figure it out. I do think Justin is starting to figure it out. I do think the slower greens perhaps helped him. One of the things that I'm watching this weekend is as the greens speed up at Augusta is how Justin Thomas handles that. Can you give us a feel of for those greens when they get fast and they start showing their teeth. What is it like playing Augusta National when the greens are at their best? Well, first of all, I think the reason that there's so many people, so many players in there with a good chance at this stage, this is some of the lowest scoring I've seen, is because of the greens being slower. And you've hit the needle right on the head. When these greens get slick, I mean, they are really tough. For example, for your listeners to get an idea, if I took an average golfer of a 15 handicap, say, and I put him on the green, 
and I put the flag in a certain place where they have it in the tournament on the final day, the best he'd do is, is 18 three putts. I mean, he'd have no <laughs> idea, no idea how to play it. It's really tougher greens in this tournament than virtually any other tournament. Yeah, and the uh, and it has been soft, and the sub air course is is pumping the the water out of it now. And um, I'm I'm hoping they just they they speed up and we start to see the greens come to life. You know, I got to ask you about Bryson DeChambeau as he battles to make the cut here. He's he's even par. You've met the guy, and you've seen what he's done. Forty pounds. You know, we're at the 190 ball speed mark now, playing in tournaments. Uh, give us an idea what Bryson DeChambeau is like and just give us a feel. What do you think the professional golfer is going to look like? Is Are they going to, in the next 20 years, are we going more towards like the NFL tight end versus the NFL place kicker? What do you make of all this with Bryson? I think you are absolutely correct. First of all, you know, we live in a world where it doesn't matter what you do, you get criticized by some and, and, and praised by others. And that's unfortunately the world we've got to live in. Now, I was standing with uh, my friend Dave King, who's caddied for me 10 times in the tournament, and we were loosening up to, you know, go to the long drive between Jack and myself. And Bryson comes along and he comes and greets us both. And uh, he is such a gentleman. And I admire so much to work out the way he has. As you know, I started in 1944 with weight trading. Tiger then came along and did it. And we were all criticized for using weights, people that didn't know what the hang they were talking about. And now he's come along with his weight training, as most of the young guys or many of them are doing now with a traveling gymnasium on the tour. And uh, he has put on, you know, you cannot believe when you look at him now, he is like an NFL player. And carrying the ball, you know, the other day, 400 and something yards. Can you imagine at the 13th at Augusta, he had 124 yards to the green. I mean, uh, this is so unbelievable. But I think we're in our infancy. And this would be the great thing for him to come along because it's going to wake up all these leaders in golf to realize what Jack Nicholas and I have been saying for 30 years. You've got to slow the ball down. Don't spend all these fortunes on lengthening the golf courses. We don't have enough water. There's fertilizer. Over-fertilizing is not good. Labor, machines. It's just getting ridiculously expensive for clubs, and many are going out of business. And it's uh, and the members don't want to see their golf courses made into ridiculous tests of golf. Just cut the ball back, and it's so simple. And they will. Uh, Travis, believe me, I want you to put this on tape. They will cut that ball back. Okay, they're going to... So it's great to see him come along because you appropriately said these NFL guys are coming out to play golf. They can hit it almost 500 yards. We haven't seen a big man come out here yet. Honestly, there's going to be a Tarzan coming out here. We're in our infancy. Yeah, it's fascinating. And it feels like something's coming. You know, something's going to have to come here with with the golf ball, with what we're seeing with Bryson. I mean, did you ever think that someone would step up on number nine and hit it right next to the green? Drive at 13 was more impressive. Okay. I mean, he went right over those trees. Looked like he was going into a doomsday. Nowhere. You never thought you'd find the ball. You wouldn't <laughs> even find him at the so far left. And he gets that 125 yards from the green. I mean, uh, I don't, you know, Nicholas hit the ball a long way when he was a young man. People forget he won a long driving competition in Ohio in 1961 with a wooden head and that lousy old ball. 341 yards, that's equivalent, really. That's equivalent to a 400-yard drive today. Mm -hmm. But 
the ball was restricted and the clubs were restricted. But I mean, honestly, I don't know where we're going in golf. I find it quite sad. Yeah. Uh, some people might like it. You know, there's always some that like it, some that don't. But it's uh, how do you design a golf course that's a test for the pros anymore? Unless the only way you can do that now is to have high rough. But even there at the US Open, DeChambeau was hitting a four ride out of the rough that the average guy would take a wedge out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, but I've been predicting this for a long, long time. And, uh, you know, some of these networks are criticizing weight training. They're looking a little bit embarrassed at the moment. Oh, yeah. I totally agree. I can remember, Mr. Player, when I was growing up, you know, I played a lot of other sports. And, you know, like, don't don't work out if you play golf. That's, you know, that was kind of the message. And it's like, well, what? You know, why would I, why would I want to work out? I'm, I'm trying to be an athlete. I'm trying to be strong. I'm trying to be fast. And it just feels like those things would be appropriate in golf. And certainly um, you were out in front with that for, for many, many years. I, I got to ask you, what's your favorite hole or two at Augusta? I think my favorite hole at Augusta is probably number 12 because it's such a, basically a simple shot it's only an eight or eight iron or a seven iron but it's the lowest section of the golf course Mm -hmm. the golf course probably from bottom to top is very close to a hundred at least a hundred feet so now being the lowest part of the golf course the wind swirls around there so you can hit a perfect shot and that wind gets it and that's what invariably happens and you're in the water or you're over the green. That's why when Jordan Spieth had a five-shot lead, he had to play for the back bunker. I mean, he's so good at this short game, he had a chance of getting it down. And if he doesn't, he's still got a four-shot lead, you know, with six holes to go. So, you know, the course management on that hole, as Tiger Woods pointed out, he took when he hit that shot, he didn't even think of the flag. He just went over the bunker, 45 foot from the hole and got his par. You, that's a par hole. And, you know, it's, you don't see many holes at only 150 yards long. That is a par hole. Yeah. You know, everybody looks upon that as a birdie. I tell you, that's the most magnificently designed hole that you could ever wish to play. But people don't understand when you stand on the 11th tee and the wind is going downwind, and then you get on the 12th tee, it's still going downwind, and you look at the end, you're going in the same direction to the 12th, but it's into the wind. Mm. So, you know, that gives you the creeps. <laughs> and, and the first year I played at Augusta, 1957, who was playing in front of me, and I was on the tee because play was a little slow, Ben Hogan and Sam Steed. Sam Steed hit a seven iron into the water, perfect shot. Hogan took a seven iron and put it right at the back of the green. Now, there was a difference of like 20 yards with the same swings. Mm. That get, that teacher, you know, people are really, that hold has really ruined many, many players. But the biggest miracle ever was when Fred Couples hit the ball on that bank and it stayed Let's there. Let's take a second to talk about the guys and girls over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation of having the most cutting-edge technology in their golf balls that the industry has seen in quite some time. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is changing the script of golf technology through the perimeter-weighted designs, use of high-density particles, and even a nano-transitional layer in their latest creation, which offers players enhanced accuracy and control for every shot on the course and extreme velocity off the tee. They already have their award-winning Elixir and Avant 55 golf balls, but the new Vero X1 is the highest-performance ball 
to date with their full suit of golf balls. They are transforming the game for players of all skill levels. Visit EncoreGolf.com slash Travis Fulton for more details about their products that are revolutionizing the game. Now back to the Stripe Show podcast. Yep, I remember that. And you're right, it has. It's lingered in many players. Spieth, as you mentioned, uh, Francisco Molinari, right? I mean, he. it felt like that guy didn't miss a shot for the better part of a year and a half and that one swing on 12, and he's been battling back since. That you know, is Jordan. And, that is and Jordan. What would you, uh, you know, um, you bring up Spieth. What would you tell Spieth right now, Mr. Player? I mean, he's clearly yeah. two and a half years now. He's been struggling and, and you've watched it. Yeah. What would you tell him or perhaps you've given him advice to kind of get things back on the right track again? Well, you know, he's such a wonderful young man. And I sat next to him at the dinner at Augusta this year. He's a terrific, he's an all-American guy. And I just love him. Good family man, highly intelligent, great competitor. But he's got a lot of faults in his swing. And uh, I'm quite surprised that his coach uh, doesn't see them. But, you know, who am I to interfere with his coach? Uh, I'd rather not say what his faults are on the phone. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to be critical in public of of Jordan. He's too much of a nice guy, but he really needs to make some serious changes. Honestly, it's it's very important. I mean, you know, this is a game where you, the fundamentals, now you can say, well, everybody, look at uh, Wolf. Now everybody condemns it. I think it's a fabulous swing. People talk about, uh, you know, Bryson's swing. If you look at Bryson's swing and you break it down, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Now, he's hitting so hard sometimes that he doesn't hold his balance. But, uh, wow. But it does go to show. It does go to show. Here's a man who's hitting this ball, these prodigious distances, and he's battling to make the cut. So length, as I continuously say, is an asset. But what wins golf tournaments and you mentioned you started talking about it in your interview a little earlier. It's putting. Putting and a great mind, a great mind, and I can't tell you what a great mind is. Mm. It's called it. Uh, it's something nobody, everybody's tried to analyze it, and people and, and psychiatrists, etc., have given opinion on it, but nobody really knows. But the big thing is how you putt. You cannot win majors unless you putt extremely well, not just well, extremely well. And that's what wins the tournament, not just long hitting. Yeah, it feels that way even more so at Augusta. You know, these greens separate themselves and their complexity and the speed and the lightning. I can't wait. I hope it. I hope we see it this weekend because then the Masters, in, at least in my mind, starts to, to break out. You talked about the mind. You've played endless golf with Jack. You've played some golf with Tiger. Um, you know, when you talk about the mind, I'm interested. When you play with Jack, what was it like playing with with Mr. Nicholas? Was he, in his day, his prime, was he like Tiger in his prime? Where Tiger was, you know, he had this bubble around him and, and aura, and he didn't, he wasn't chummy chummy like he is a little bit more so today. What was Jack like to play with in his peak, was he like arm's length or was he pretty conversational? Tiger was uh, extremely focused, almost, uh, you know, he, he didn't look relaxed, but he was. 
and now you say he doesn't look relaxed, but he was. Uh, that's a that's a great asset to have. Nicholas definitely had a softer approach. Nicholas would talk more, mm. but he was extremely focused. And all the great players, Hogan, all the superstars that I've seen, and they're not a lot of superstars in the history of the game. People use that word too loosely, and to the word great too loosely. But all the superstars had a special mind, and they had something, as I say, you cannot define. What are the things that Tiger does better than anybody else? If you look carefully, he's pin high, pin high hitting his shots to the green. Pin high, pin high, pin high. What a difference that makes. You can take a seven iron and hit it straight over the pin, straight over with the most perfect shot. And it can go 25 feet, 30 foot from the hole. You take an eight iron and hit a lousy shot, but you pin high, you're always closer. So the value of picking the right club, and that's when it, that's a gift. That is a gift. That's mm. feel. That's your eye. That's the kind of shot you're going to play. It's just not like a robot. You just don't take an eight iron because you hit it 120 or 140 yards. Say it's automatic eight iron. You've got to look where the pin is, what shot you're going to play, what is the wind doing, are the greens firm? You see, all these things go into that little thing called it. Mm -hmm. And it's a feeling you get, and you can't explain that. Who can tell, who can work out what the feeling is that a golfer's got? Is it fair to say, like when you look at Tiger and and Jack and yourself, Ben Hogan, all the guys that you know are the greats, that they their mind was great, their course management was great. But I think when you talk to the amateur and you start asking them about course management as they evaluate you guys, like they think that you're being super aggressive in the world of course management. When I watch Tiger and I watch Jack, like I felt like it's almost a very conservative approach, very smart approach. They take their chances when they can, but it almost errs on the side of conservative. Am I, am I wrong? No, you're, you're, you're right. But uh, it varies. It varies that depending on how they were lying in the field at the time and how many shots they were in front and how many shots they were back or were they level. So that determines a lot on the type of shot you play sometimes. I mean, if you fall back with, you know, at Augusta and you come to 13 and you're back there with a three iron in your hand, uh, look at Phil Mickelson, probably the greatest, one of the single greatest shots I ever saw was the 13th holder by Phil Mickelson. He put it in the pine straw up on the right, off the pine straw. And he had, at that time, a two-shot lead. And Jack Nicklaus, uh, he was correct. He said, that's the... Greatest stupid shot I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> this is way explaining it. I'm talking about Jack Nicholas. He's still the greatest gentleman I ever played golf with. He was a he's a, a, a wonderful human being. Yeah, the greatest stupid shot I've ever seen in my life. That's yeah, yeah that's fantastic. Well, I know you're I, I know you're busy. I got to get a any names sticking out for you as we approach the weekend here at Augusta that you're looking at as the guy to beat or a sleeper or who are you looking at here? Who do you like? Well, there are four of us here staying together. I've got two of my grandsons as well. And we've all put in 25 bucks and we picked four names. Okay. I picked, I picked Rom, I picked Cantley and I picked uh, Wolf. Well, it doesn't Wolf. I don't know if he's made the cut, but uh, the others, and then, you know, but we've all got names in the, in the in the kitty in the pot that anybody could win i mean anybody look at this it's so wide open anybody goes out there and has a great putting week he wins not because he necessarily played the best 
and who who is the best at the moment? I, I don't know who the best player <laughs> yeah. in the world at the moment is. And, and Tiger's doing well right now. He's had, mind you, start off at the 11th hole with his second shot out of the rough this morning, and it's a bit chilly. Yeah. Uh, you, you see how things go in the tournament. Another guy plays that hole yesterday, and it's warm, and he's playing it in the sun. So, you know, where you'd get drawn, Tiger Woods at playing at Mirfield in Scotland one year, I think he shot 86 or 88. He got in that wind and rain. My goodness me, doesn't matter how good you are, you can't play. So, you know, we if you look at this week, some guys, you know, playing off in the morning, playing off in the afternoon, playing off when it's cold, playing off when it's raining. You know, this is where you've got to have a tremendous, tremendous amount of determination, patience, courage, whatever you want to call it. Okay, I got to ask, who's the young guy? Like, you're, you, got, you got Jordan there with you. Who's he got? Jordan player. Who's in his kitty? Uh, well, he, he's a he's he, he he's such a dunce. He, he doesn't even know. He can't even remember. That's the sad. <laughs> but that's the nice thing. The kid, he, he won't even remember. You know, that nice to travel with a young boy like that. who was a straight A student, and he's using a GPS to get to the club here, and he gets lost. Oh. <laughs> that's good stuff. <laughs> Thank God for all this modern technology. Yeah. He played golf the other day. He's carrying his bag. We got on the green. He left his bag on the on the tee. <laughs> you know? I mean, I've got to help. If, let me tell you, if he never played with me, he'd never find the next hole because he's got an IQ of a plant. <laughs> Oh man, that's some good stuff. That is some good stuff. Why? I'll uh, I'll let you get back to helping the young man navigate here. Uh, He's saying, please cut it out. And <laughs> <laughs> Travis use it on his show. I'm going to apply for a job next week. <laughs> now, Tom, don't worry about it. Nobody listens to this podcast anyway. Thank you, Travis. All right, Mr. Player, thank you so much. Enjoy the Masters weekend.